Can anybody tell me what we talked about before Barf Week? The journey, yes, specifically. What about the journey? Yes, it's about Jesus. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got guys, guys, hey, I need y'all to focus. Say what you said again. Our journey will require other people. God will get your attention. Yes. Okay. Your journey will be difficult. I like you're pulling up all your notes, aren't you? I like that. No, it's good though. It's good that you're taking notes. That's really weird to see from up here. Don't do that, please. We're talking about the journey. We're looking at Matthew chapter 7 in verse 13 and 14 where Jesus is preaching and Jesus starts talking about these two different paths. You've got the path that is easy, the path that leads to death and destruction, and you've got the path that is narrow, but that path leads to life. And so what we've been looking at is that narrow path, talking about that as Christians, once we encounter Christ and we make a decision to follow him, that that path is not going to be an easy path for us to be on. And we talked about the first week just kind of what that looks like and and looked at Saul at that point, who is now Paul, and and his encounter with Christ and how he was forced to make a decision to which journey he was going to go on. And two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that our journey requires other people. And the way that happens is in the church, in the context of getting together and meeting and studying Scripture, but not just getting together. It's also then going out. And doing what God has called us to do as the church. And the church equips us and trains us to engage other people, to encourage other other people to be what he's designed for the church to be. This week, I want to talk to you more about the journey. And we're going to go back to Paul. In fact, if you've got your Bibles or your phones or whatever it is you're using for Scripture, please just use your phones for Scripture. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be tonight. And in Acts chapter 16, as you look somewhere, I believe it's in verse 16 of Acts chapter 16, you pick up with Paul and Silas, and they're traveling in this area of Philippi, and they're preaching about Jesus Christ. And they come across this area, and this one girl, this girl starts following them around. Now let me tell you a little bit something about this girl. This girl was possessed by a demon. And there were these guys that owned her. She was a slave. And what they did is this girl, because she was possessed by this demon, it gave her the ability to tell the future. So they were making a lot of money off of this girl because she was possessed and she could tell the future. Well, when Paul and Silas roll into town, she starts following them. But she doesn't just follow them. She starts shouting as she follows them. And she's shouting to everyone, these guys are preaching Jesus Christ. They're followers of God. And they're here to tell you how to be saved. And she's walking behind them, and she's just yelling this. It tells us that she just follows them wherever they go. She's yelling that these guys are following God, and these guys are here to tell you how to be saved, to the point that Paul actually gets fed up with it. It'd be like somebody coming to your school that knows you say you're a Christian and follows you all day through class, through the lunchroom, and said, they go to North Florida Baptist Church. They know who Jesus Christ is. They can tell you how to be saved and did that day after day after day everywhere you went. You think you get tired of that after a while? Yeah, probably. You get tired of somebody doing that in one class, much less all day. So Paul gets tired of it. And Paul turns around and Paul casts out the demon. Paul looks at her and tells her to stop and tells the demon to be gone. And it works. 
And this girl's no longer following them around. And this girl's no longer shouting and yelling. But you see, they have a problem now. Because she was the slave. And she was earning these guys a lot of money. So these guys get upset. And what they do, because they've lost this major source of income, is they go to the magistrate, which is basically the police at that time, the people who are running everything, and they say, these guys right here, they have broken the law and they have stolen our source of income. We want them put in jail. So it happens. They go before the magistrate. It tells us that they're actually beaten and they are thrown into a jail cell and shackled so they can't even really move. And that's where it picks up down there in verse 25. And it tells us that the jailer is charged to put them in that inner cell and not let anybody near them. But you see, what we're going to look at tonight is the idea that, that when, when we are on this journey, we're going to meet some people. And see, Paul and Silas, they're traveling on their journey, and they're meeting people. And the people they're meeting are people who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. And as we travel on our journey, we're going to encounter some of the same people. We're going to meet people every single day, even if you go to a Christian school. You're going to meet people every single day that don't know Christ, that don't know who he is. Or you're going to meet people who have heard just enough about him to be a little bit curious or maybe even a little bit you know, cautious because they're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. You're even going to encounter people who have had the wrong experience with the wrong Christian who don't want anything to do with Christ. But they still don't know him. They don't know who he is. They don't have that personal relationship with him. And as you meet those people, here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Do I see them the way Jesus sees them? You see, here's what I want you to do for a second. Each of you, when you came in, you had a white piece of paper sitting in your chair and a pen. I want you to pull out that piece of paper. And on the top of that piece of the paper, I want you to write this. My one is. And that's all I want you to write. And then I want you to take that paper and I want you to put it back under your chair. i give you a second to do that. As you start encountering people at the grocery store, on the practice field, at the restaurant, wherever you go, do you have the mindset, do I see them the way Jesus sees them? Do I have compassion for these people? Do I understand that the people I'm meeting every single day need desperately the relationship with Christ that I have? You see, tonight, that's what we want to talk about. When we are on our journey, as we meet people every single day that possibly don't know Christ, is whether or not we have compassion for those people. And not just, oh man, I feel so sorry for them. They need to go to church. No, I mean compassion to the point of, I need to share Christ with that person. Because if I don't, they may die walking out of this building and never know Christ. Do we feel that urgency? Do we have that compassion? Do we have that need to talk to people? And I'll be the first one to admit, there's a lot of times I don't look at people that way. And I should. I'm a pastor, right? That's my job. But you know what? It's real easy a lot of times to get caught up in our own world and what we're doing and lose sight of what Christ has called us to do and sharing the gospel of who he is. And that's what Paul and Silas are getting ready to show us here. You see, when we have compassion on people, they have been thrown in jail. 
and being thrown in jail, you would think they'd be upset. They've been beaten. They've been shackled. They've kind of been wrongly accused and put in jail. If it was me, I'm probably not going to be in a very good mood at this point. I don't think you guys would either. In fact, I'm willing to bet nobody in here has ever been thrown in jail because of something you've done or said in the name of Jesus Christ. Am I wrong? Anybody? Okay. So they have every reason to be upset, don't you think? Because all they did was what Jesus called them to do. But you see, that's not what we find them doing when we pick up in verse 26. In fact, as we have compassion on people, just like we're about to see here with Paul and Silas, when we have that kind of compassion, that urgency, that need to tell people about Christ, that is going to look strange to other people. It's going to look weird sometimes. Look at what these guys are doing, excuse me, in verse 25 of Acts 16. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, they've been beaten, they've been chained, they've been thrown in prison. And what's it say they're doing? Singing, praising God, praying to God. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you stayed up till midnight praising God? Anybody? And we've got every opportunity to do it, don't we? We've got the freedom to do it. These guys are in prison. These guys have been beaten. They've been chained. They've got every right to be upset. They've got every right to cry out to God, God, this isn't fair. We're simply doing what you called us to do. But instead it tells us they're sitting here, they're praying and they're singing. And they're not doing it at 9 p.m. They're doing it at midnight. They're doing it well into the morning. Has anybody ever had a neighbor that keeps you up really late? Maybe you are that neighbor that keeps people up really late. Think about that. This says the other prisoners are listening. That meant they were keeping everybody up at midnight. We've got, oh, right now where we live, how many of you all know where El, is it, I'll say it right, El Jalisco, El Jalisco is on Cary Forest Boulevard. Okay. My living room is about 300 yards from that restaurant. And every Friday and Saturday night, they have a live musician out there on the deck. To the point where every Friday and Saturday night, I can hear every word, every strum of the guitar, every yell and scream that is made out there sitting in my living room. Michaela has started talking. Pretty soon, I'm expecting her to bust out knowing all the lyrics to the Zac Brown brand singing Chicken Fried or to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville because we hear it every single Friday and Saturday night. No. A two-year-old or one-year-old walking around going singing Margaritaville? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. As long as she stopped at Chicken Fried and didn't sing anymore, we'd be all right. But you know what? That that noise right there, it keeps us up. I mean, it'll go well past midnight sometimes. That's what these guys are doing. They're sitting in the prison and they're staying up, but they're singing and they're praying to God and they're praising and worshiping him in this situation that everybody else would look at and say, these guys are weird. This is strange. You see, when we start having compassion for people, when we start looking at people 
and really seeing them as someone who needs a relationship with Christ, it's going to push us to do some things that might look weird. When you get up and you go talk to somebody that nobody else is really talking to, when you start a conversation like, hey, where do you go to church? Tell me what you think about this whole God thing. Somebody's going to look at you and go, okay, that was odd. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because if we have compassion for people and we're sharing Christ the way we've been called to, then we're right where God wants us. And the thing that may, the thing that may make us look weird to everybody else may be exactly what God had planned for us to do that day. That's why it doesn't matter. That's why these guys, they don't really care. They're staying awake, they're singing, they're praying because their job, their goal is to worship God and to give him praise and glory in whatever situation. And it looks weird to people. Had to look weird to people. But you know what? When you're doing what God wants you to do, when you have that compassion and that drive to share Christ with people, it's okay to look a little weird. Because it's often in those times, in those moments, where you feel kind of foolish or you feel kind of out of place because you're doing what God's called you to do, that you're going to see God work in amazing ways. Compassion for other people will show you how God works in unbelievable ways. That's what they're getting ready to see here. They're going to work, God's going to work in a way that they never expected. Look at what it says in verse 26. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. God's going to do things that you don't expect. God's going to answer prayers. God's going to act. God's going to work in ways that will blow your mind. Look at what just happened here. They're sitting there. They're singing. They're praying. And an earthquake shakes the jail. Really? Okay, all the ways God could have gotten them out of there, he uses an earthquake? I mean, if you look in other parts of Scripture, you see where Peter was in prison, and God didn't use an earthquake. God actually sent an angel to him and kind of poked him in the side and said, Wake up, Peter, we're getting out of here, and walked right out to jail. Now that, okay, kind of understand. God sent an angel. God works with angels, right? But God sends an earthquake right here. God likes to get creative, guys. When you decide to step out and you decide to share Christ with somebody, God may surprise you. You may try to get the words out and you may fumble every verse of Scripture that you try to say. And you may feel like you've completely messed it up. And yet God can still take that and do the unexpected and get his message across to somebody. When you have compassion, don't be afraid. Because God can use what you do no matter how badly you mess it up. No matter how badly I mess it up, God can still use it because God can do things that we never expected. That's what just happens right here. He uses an earthquake, an earthquake to do something in the lives of these men and the lives of everybody else in that jail. Let's see what else happens. In verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now, compassion may look a little weird. Compassion is going to let you see God work in ways you didn't expect. 
But having compassion on people to share Christ may also require a little sacrifice on your part, on my part. Think about it. Paul and Silas in jail, wrongfully accused. Paul and Silas in jail, didn't necessarily get a fair trial. And all of a sudden, their shackles are opened. And the jail cell doors are opened. What would be your first reaction? You go, book it. Yeah. You're going to run. Hey, hey, let's get out of here. Come on. But you know what? That's not what they did. You see, their compassion, their drive to share Christ with people, they sacrificed their freedom. They had every opportunity when this earthquake happened. They had every opportunity to get out of there. But they didn't do it. It requires sacrifice. There's going to be times when you have the opportunity to share Christ with somebody and you're going to have to make a decision. Hey, my friends are going over here and doing this and they're getting ready to leave me. Do I sacrifice that and share Christ or do I skip this opportunity and go be with my friends? You see, Paul and Silas, they had the opportunity to get up, go do what they wanted to do. Go do what any of us probably would have chosen to do. But instead they said, whoa, hold on, jailer. Everybody's here. They didn't know this jailer anything, did they? He was actually part of the group that put them in jail. He's the one that was keeping there, keeping them there. He owed, they owed him nothing. And yet they're willing to sacrifice their freedom for what we're going to see in a minute as an opportunity to explain to him who Christ is. It's going to require sacrifice. Let me ask you this question. Do you find it easy to love people sometimes? Do you find it hard to love people sometimes? Yeah? It is hard to love people, especially people we don't know. It's hard to love people we do know, sometimes because of how well we know them. But there's other people in our lives that we don't think we should give the time of day sometimes. Or maybe they've done some things to us and we don't really care for them at all. And we don't want to love them. But the question is, is no matter how you feel about them personally, which is greater? Your dislike for that person or your drive to share Christ with that person. And that's a hard choice. It's a hard thing to do. And that, if we decide to let that drive to share Christ overpower our personal feelings, guess what that means? We have to get over ourselves a little bit. We may have to swallow our pride and sacrifice our image or our ego to go share Christ with somebody. It gets uncomfortable. But that's exactly what Christ has called us to do. That's exactly what he tells us that we're supposed to do. See, Paul and Silas, they understood. They had an opportunity right here in this situation to share God with people. They did it through their singing. They did it through their praying. They did it by staying put, by staying put when they had the opportunity to get out of there. You see, when we decide that we're going to make some sacrifices, this is the point where our life stops being easy and we have to start getting messy. Because when you decide to sacrifice and really get into somebody's life, that means now you've got to deal with all their junk. That means everything they're struggling with, everything that they're wrestling with, all the stuff that is going on in their life, you may have to get involved in that. 
And you may have to explain to them and help them understand how despite all of that or in the midst of all of that, that is exactly the person that Jesus Christ wants. Somebody that needs him no matter what their circumstances. And we don't like that. We don't like to get our hands messy. It's easy to walk down the street and say, hey, how you doing? When we don't really want to know how people are doing. How many of you have ever asked that question? Hey, how you doing? And you really didn't want the answer. Let's be honest. All of us. I know I've, I've probably done it today. Or if somebody has asked you, hey, how you doing? Now, I promise you I didn't ask any of you that. I really want to know how you're doing. But you know what? How many times have you been asked that question? And you're dealing with some stuff. And your answer is, I'm good. Anybody do that? Yeah. Because we don't want to sacrifice the time and the effort that it takes to get into somebody's life and really find out how they're doing and really find out what's going on. When we have a compassion for people to know Christ, that's exactly what we have to do. Is we've really got to find out what's going on in people's lives. When we ask that question, hey, how you doing? That means we actually stop and listen to how they're really doing. That's uncomfortable. It's messy. But it's exactly what we're called to do right now. And my question to you is this. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you could think of somebody right now that you know is dealing with some stuff in their life? And it may be somebody that knows Christ, somebody that doesn't know Christ. But I'm willing to bet everybody in here, you know at least one person. Has your compassion driven you to share Christ with them in that situation? To help them understand how much Christ loves them despite their situation and despite their circumstances. And that he is there no matter what they're going through. See, that requires us to sacrifice our time, our comfort. But that's exactly what we're called to do. And that's exactly what we see Paul and Silas doing right here. Sometimes, sometimes he brings people to us and gives us the opportunity to share Christ simply because of how we're living our life. Just think about that. The way that you talk the way that you carry yourself, the way that you interact with other people can actually draw people to you sometimes. Look at what happens to the jailer in verse 29. It says, And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They had not gone out and sat down with the jailer and said, You need Jesus Christ. Let me tell you these scriptures. Let me give you the Romans road to salvation. Let me tell you exactly how you need to be saved. They didn't do that. They simply took the opportunity that they had to glorify God. They sat there and instead of moaning and griping about their situation and how unfair it was, they praised God. They had the opportunity to get out of there and to save themselves. And instead they said, hey, buddy, buddy, don't kill yourself. We're all right here. And because of that, he comes running to them. He witnessed their life up to this point. And he comes running to them and says, please tell me what I must do to be saved. That's an incredible opportunity. If people can see you and know that Jesus Christ is who you are all about, 
people are drawn to you? Are people drawn to you? Do people see Christ in you? Is he so much your focus that he comes out of you? That's what we see here. That's a hard thing to do for a lot of us because we get busy with everything else. People get on our nerves. People bother us. People, we don't want to give them the time of day. But you know what? When we have compassion for people to know Christ, it changes our attitude. It changes the way we see people. That's why I was so encouraged about the fact that we had 80 people here last Wednesday. Yeah, no, we didn't hit our goal of 100. So we had 80 people. Between three different events and last week, we had 30 different visitors. 30 different opportunities to share Christ with somebody. That's incredible. That's what it's all about, guys. And in all of that, we had one that prayed to receive Christ. That's great. That is what it looks like. And you guys have that opportunity to do that every single day. Every one of us has that opportunity to look at people and say, oh, hey, how you doing? Or look at people and say, hey, how you doing? I need to talk to that person about Christ and find him ways to make that happen. That's what's going on with Paul and Silas is they've got this compassion. And because of this compassion, they are driven to do things that we wouldn't normally do. Now, I have heard this comment made as I talked about the fact that that the way you live your life can draw people to you. I've also heard people make this comment. Well, you know what? It's my life. I go to church. I read my Bible. I have a relationship with Christ, but I I really should be able to do what I want to do all the time as long as I'm doing my little Jesus thing over here. But you know what? That is not what Scripture says. In fact, I'm not going to say a name. I know a young man. He's in college now. But I know a young man that that's the way he lives his relationship with Christ. I don't know when the last time is he shared Christ with somebody. His lifestyle is not necessarily showing it. Not the way he's living. See, Scripture tells us that's not the way we're called to live. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That means our lifestyle should reflect what we say we believe. And if it doesn't, we're not glorifying God. We were bought with a price. If you have a relationship with God through the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you were bought at a very high price. And your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Which means you don't get to do whatever you want to do with your life. Because we are called to glorify God with our words, with our actions, with our bodies, with every single thing that we do, say, and think. And yes, there will be days that we fail at that miserably, but that is still what we're called to do. We have that opportunity, but that's going to require sacrifice on our part. It's going to require us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. It's going to require us to give up some things that we really, really want to do sometimes. But it's okay. Because when we have that kind of compassion, it's going to result in changed lives. When we 
have that kind of compassion to share Christ with people, God is going to use that and he is going to change lives, guys. 30 visitors here over a three-day period and there was a life changed because of it. That's what it's about. Look at what happens here in this story. Verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. That is what it's about right there. One life was changed because of the way these men conducted themselves. Because of the compassion, because of the sacrifice, one life was changed in the life of that jailer. And then the rest of his family. God will change lives when we will take the time to share Christ with people. Whether it's through our words, through our actions. Now, understand this. You can't live just what's called lifestyle evangelism where you just say, okay, I'll live a good life and people will see it that way. No, Scripture says, how will they hear without preaching? And that doesn't necessarily mean me standing here. That means you need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to be willing and able and ready to talk to someone at any given time about that relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we do that, God will use that. He will. You may not see the results of it, but that doesn't mean God's not using it. It's a compassion, guys. It's a desire to tell people who Christ is. It's a desire to tell them why you are here right now. Why you're here. Why are you here? It's a desire to tell people that you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. And that he was buried and three days later he conquered death physically by coming back to life. And he conquered the consequences of sin and proving his power over it. And if that's why you're here tonight, do you have compassion for people who don't have that? Do you have an urge, a need, a drive to share the most incredible thing you've ever experienced with other people so they can share in that? I asked you to do this. I asked you to pull out that piece of paper, and I had you write on it, my one is. I want you to pull it back out. And on that piece of paper, I want you to write who your one is. Who is the one person that you can think of right now, and there's probably more than one, that you know in your life you need to talk to about a relationship with Jesus Christ? Who is that one person? Because I can promise you, everyone in here, you know somebody. And guys, girls, it can get real uncomfortable trying to share with that person. Before I went to seminary, before Kathleen and I packed up and moved to Kentucky and she started classes and we went through and got master's degrees and studied the Bible, I had to sit down with my mom and share Christ with her. 
That is not an easy thing to do. That is a very uncomfortable thing to do. But you know what? That's what we're called to do. Who is your one? Who is one person in your life right now that you know you need to share Christ with? And yes, it may be hard for you to do it, but you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you need to. Write their name on that paper if you haven't already. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do tonight. When the music starts, I would like you to come up to the front. Just lay that piece, uh, throw that piece of paper in this basket right here. Lay it in here. And then what I want you to do is to take a minute. Stop, kneel down, and pray for the name that's on that piece of paper. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to share with that person. Pray that God will give you the courage and the boldness to share with that person. Because here's the thing, and here's what you need to be aware of. When you pray for those opportunities, God will give you those opportunities. So you better be ready to take advantage of them. Who is your one? Do you have compassion? Do you have the urge, the drive, the need to share Christ with people? And if you don't, why not? What is it that's holding you back? Let's pray, guys. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity you give us to be here. God, (laughs) I want to ask that you forgive me for the times that I don't feel that drive when I know I should all the time, God, because I know it can be hard for every one of us. And Lord, I pray right now, there are a lot of names that have been written on these pieces of paper. God, I pray, I pray for opportunities for every person in this room. And God, I don't know, there could be somebody in this room and their name is on one of these pieces of paper. God, I pray right now that you will give each one of us that urge, that need, that drive to share Christ with others. And if you're here tonight and you don't have that urge or that need because you don't have a relationship with Christ, Come talk to me. Don't walk out of here tonight without talking to me, please. Because it is the most important, most unbelievable, most incredible decision you will ever, ever make. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.